It may be without the fans. It may be during a horrible pandemic and it may be because of financial necessity. But football is coming back. And now we have a date to work towards as Norwich City's attempt of a great escape returns. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. I'm Dave Freezer, and we're also coming to you on Future Radio 107.8 FM. We've got a jam-packed agenda to work our th- way through today as Premier League teams return to contact training ahead of the season resuming on June the 17th. And with news of City's FA Cup quarterfinal against Manchester United as well. We'll also be bringing you a triple header of Norwich City interviews from past, present and future players. And joining me all to discuss all of that is the EDP's head of sport, Chris Dakey. Chris, how is, uh, how's the lockdown weather looking in North Norfolk? I tell you what, absolutely magnificent. Clear blue sky. Oh, I can see a vapour trail. Um, That's the only thing that's disturbed the peace. Um, There's been some rather nifty jets popping over and doing a bit of practice. Uh, and they make a racket, but, you know, fair dues. But, yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. And uh, when I finish work today, it's out for a bit of a stroll, and then I've been pro- promised the world's best Thai beef curry. That sounds good. Can't be sounds bad. Good. <laughs> uh, it's a lovely day. I'm, I Finally, I've been trying to get fitter during lockdown. Uh, trying, well, I'm sure, like many of us, I've been eating a little bit too much, you know, a little bit of comfort food in lockdown. I've been desperately trying to get into a fitness regime, and, uh, for the second time in a few days, I managed to get out early and go for a run this morning. It was absolutely lovely weather. And I know uh, I know our friend Ian Clark likes to walk the dog early doors, doesn't he? So it's uh, it's always a nice time to get out. But yeah. that'll do for lockdown chat because we've got loads and loads of football stuff to get stuck into, haven't we? So June 17th, we know that is the date that we're working towards. Midweek, Wednesday, there'll be two games uh, Sheffield United v Villa and Man City v Arsenal. That is the uh, those are the two games that were postponed because of the League Cup final, which I have to admit I'd completely forgotten had happened. <laughs> um, Villa apparently lost two one to Manchester City. I think I might have even watched it to be honest, but yeah, that had uh, sort of escaped me. Um, and so we I think uh, that Norwich will probably be resuming as as expected as they were expected to be playing before the suspension against Southampton at home. Uh, but we know their first game is very likely to be on the weekend of June 19th to the 21st. But it, we, there's still a few caveats, aren't there, in terms of um, the government still got to give it a, sort of the full green light, haven't they? Yeah, uh, that's true. But I do think the government have been pushing it more than the Premier League. So if they don't give it the green light, I'd be very surprised. It's It's been, you know, if the government makes a decision, the Premier League then makes a decision on the back of that. I, I guess that's how it should be. But, uh, yeah, June 17th, um, everybody will be glued to their TV sets. I think uh, eight, 6 and 8 p.m., aren't they, the, the, the games for midweek? I know yeah. that, that it's, it's round-the-clock football for a while. But, uh, yeah, um, and that gets the, the games in hand out of the way, doesn't it? Uh, so everybody's, by the weekend, is on level uh, footing. So, yeah, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be different. It, it, it's good to have it back. I have my reservations. I think everybody is bound to have reservations it, it, it would be impossible not to have reservations but um i think if you look at it positively then well again i can't i can't stop thinking about certain figures that we get every afternoon but yeah it, it's coming back nothing's going to stop it so I, I did think the most appropriate way of headlining it was back in business because that's what it is it's yeah. about the business isn't it so it is um but i th- I, th- I think that's probably what we need to remember. I mean, there's a lot of um, sort of 
flailing around on social media. A lot of people very keen to say, oh, it's not proper football. I don't care about it anyway, whatever. <laughs> but we've got to remember that this is saving football as well, isn't it? It's not ideal. Everybody involved in the game will be first to admit, none of us want to play football without the fans in the stand, not the players, the clubs, media, no one. Football isn't the same without fans. That's, that is absolutely bog standard obvious. But by getting things going again, this could actually save the game financially or save it from a lot of the impact that is still going to be felt because getting these games back is halving that rebate, which was 760-odd million that could have been due to the broadcasters straight away. And it sounds like they might even be able to get that down further with with other bits and pieces they can negotiate. So, yes, this isn't proper football. None of us, you know, all of us have got concerns about it, but it's kind of got to be done, hasn't it? I sort of think it's like, you know, let, let's just complete this. Let's get it out of the way almost. Yes, there are those financial aspects. And let's restart everything. And and all everybody restarts on the same footing. You know, the season starts, albeit late, at a certain date. And that means from Manchester United down to Munsford. Mm. Munsford, I meant to say, not Munsford. And everybody can reset themselves. I think there's going to be an awful lot of conversations in the background about the way ahead for football as well. But before that can start, we just need to get this out of the way. And it really is, you know, it's sort of crossing T's and dotting I's just to to get the financial stuff, the the broadcasters refunds, which, frankly, I still think that's all a little bit iffy that you're going to pay back broadcasters. Um, Obviously, you know, they're sort of paid out, but it's not football's fault, is it? that he can't play its games. It, it does seem a little bit odd to me. Um, yeah, seems to be acknowledging mainly that the product is going to be far worse. Coming back to what we were just saying, that football is not the same without the fans, is it? It's not, but, you know, I, I haven't watched an awful lot of the Bundesliga, but when I've watched it, I've really enjoyed it. And mm. if, if you just look at the football, and yeah. maybe it will teach us in future to just go to Carrow Road or wherever you go and look at the football. For those of us who watch non-league uh, quite a lot, as I do, you can hear the, the chitter-chatter and the voices anyway. Mm. You know, and people are being absolutely amazed that they can hear somebody shouting at the referee or the, you know, the manager or the head coach shouting to his players. We hear that all the time. I you think know, that's probably so, a little um, it's a little different for us as well, isn't it, in terms of we're used to having our head buried in a laptop during a game, doing live yeah. updates. So when you watch a football match without having to tap away at the same time, it's sort of a luxury in itself, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think there is obviously with without the atmosphere of a crowd, it does change things. I still think there was a great example in the Bundesliga the other night when uh, uh, Dortmund uh, had uh a handball that should have been in their favour at the end of the mm. game, which would have, had they got the penalty and scored from it, it would have been a point. Um, but because the great yellow wall didn't appeal, then none of the players bothered. Yeah. So nobody really took any notice. There was no pressure. Um, you know, I, I've, I've never really bought into this thing. Of, it's always confused me about home and away. Why there's such a big discrepancy between performances home and away? You ask players, what about the abuse you got? Oh, I didn't hear it. But then in the next breath, they'll say, that was great support. You know, what? Really? Do you hear it it or not? 
it can change momentum, can't it? It can change the swing of a game. And, you know, you look at all the late drama we saw with Norwich last season and there were times, like the Forest game on Boxing Day, the crowd were just sucking the ball into the net is almost a cliche, isn't it? Well, I think you mentioned, didn't you, the Manchester City game, the finale of that, where they sort of helped it over the line. Yeah, it does do that. The, the fact remains, we're not going to see football with fans in the stand, not packed at least, for a long, long time. Goodness knows when. It'd be nice to know, but that's that's an impossibility. But you know, we're going to have to suck this up and get used to it ourselves. Yeah, you know, fans understand. are going to have to get used to it. Um, if you watch non-league football, you'll be used to it already. So you got a head start. Yeah, uh, and, and that all goes with the obvious caveat. It almost doesn't need to be said that we are still in, in amongst a pandemic. If um, you know, there is an outbreak in a team. If there is somebody that gets seriously ill or anything worse, then of course football can't go on because it's no. then not been proved to be safe enough. But as things stand, with the success of the testing so far, they seem very confident that they are uh, going to be able to get football going again safely. So we will come back to that a little bit. Um, yeah. But all 92 matches televised, uh, 25 mm-hmm. are going to be made free to air by Sky and, and four on the BBC as well, which is, you know, uh, sort of free outside of your TV license as well, um, but I suppose that's that's a good side of things. That that was an absolute necessity. Um, but to come back on what you were saying about that that the rebate to the broadcasters, I guess that's a lot to do with the fact that they um, had to sort of pause subscriptions and things like that. Yeah. Um, because BT have said that they're going to continue their I think it's a fifty percent discount. Yeah. yeah. So um, at, at least that's good to see that sort. Yeah, I think that's the least they could do, frankly. Um, but yeah, every game's there available. Sixty-four, sorry, twenty-five of Sky's sixty-four matches are free, free to air, however you want to say. It, um, and the BBC's got a few, and they're abs. Did you say five? The BBC's got four. Yeah, four. I, think that, I think that just leaves four for Amazon that, Prime as well. That's the first time ever, isn't it, that they will have shown Premier League live. Yes, since '92, since it it went on to Sky and uh, at the start of the Premier League, yeah, they've not had yeah. a live game, which is quite incredible. Um, mm. But but then they only get four games, which sort of shows you where they stand in the great scheme of things. It's it's a bit strange, isn't it? And there but, are going to be some dead rubbers at the end of the season as well, aren't there? <laughs> yeah, I wonder who BBC will get because <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing Palace. I'm guessing that Sky will have the pick and followed by BT and then Amazon and BBC. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a bit awful, wouldn't it, for for BBC if they end up getting something that means absolutely zero. But um, yeah. In which case, we should probably hope that Norwich aren't on the BBC because that would mean that they're probably not one that of the. That will mean others. that their games mean <laughs> nothing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We we do want them to be on Sky because they're important. Yeah. Um, yeah, I. Uh, I, I'm, I'm dreading almost the reaction that we're going to get from people saying football's rubbish, isn't it? You know, I think we, we all have to watch a football match with a rider that says, sorry, this is how it is for now. Just accept it and don't moan, please. Yeah, because I, I equally, I, I said this to you earlier, didn't I, that there's a lot of people moaning about football at the moment and how it's not real football. And I, I bet a good chunk of those people are tweeting away furiously during games once it all comes back and uh, and get just as head up about it as normal. Because Well, if anybody wants real football, they're not going to find it at the moment. This is extraordinary no. time. So, sorry, you know, again, we keep using this phrase, suck it up, but there is a bit of truth in that in that you really just got to cope with with what we can do and what we can't do. 
Yeah. You know, you, you can't expect miracles. Football can't be exempt from anything. Um, I think the best thing they can do is what they are doing. Yeah, and that flows into the FA Cup, really, doesn't it? Which um, you've done a bit on uh, today in terms of, yeah. obviously, all Norwich fans are just dreading the thought of actually beating Man United, getting to an FA Cup semi-final, let alone even to dream of the final, and then it having to be played at Wembley behind closed doors. It would just be the ultimate kick in the gut. And uh, we have had that date confirmed today, haven't we? Mm. The It'll be the second weekend of the restart, June 27-28. We still don't know 100% whether it will be at Carrow Road or if a neutral venue will be be needed. It seems likely that it will be at Carrow Road. But, um, yeah, the FA Cup's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? It is an odd one. I, I think the FA, is, as I wrote this morning, it has been sweet, FA. I, I've, we've heard hardly anything from them. You know, the sports governing body, and, and we hardly hear a thing. Um, I despair sometimes of them. But, anyway... Yeah, I guess uh, the fact we've got Manchester United in the game, I've seen a few stories that the police are keen to have an input into where certain games are played mm. because they'd rather a neutral venue for high-profile games so that you don't have fans turning up at the grounds. Um, and if Manchester United, say, played Manchester City or, or Liverpool... You know, you'd probably want to play that in Glasgow or, <laughs> you know, or lower stalled or something um, to make sure the fans, yeah, fans are kept away. Um, so Norwich, Manchester United will be interesting. Uh, I can, as I said on this podcast before, I know people who will go to the ends of the earth to be at Carrow Road for that game. Um, so there will be people there. There shouldn't be, but there will. And when I say there, I don't necessarily mean inside Carrow Road. Um, but hanging around. Mm. Um, so we don't want that. And, and uh, I, I'm not at all sure whether Norwich versus Manchester United would be there. I think given it's Manchester United, might be a bit different. Who knows? But it, it, you know, it's nice for Norwich City, I think, to have that little conundrum. Um, I certainly think United are beatable because um, they can't find current form under Ollie, I'm afraid. They... they and, and it's the FA Cup, and these are completely unknown circumstances. You could see some teams thriving on this, you know, this this oddity that they're faced with. Other teams might buckle. So it's a big. The mental approach is going to be huge. Um, you did a really, really good piece about the Bundesliga and the home advantage there, and it was quite clear things are different behind mm. closed doors for footballers. It's different, so. You know, it, it, this could be working in Norwich's... I don't want to say working in Norwich's favour because there's nothing working in Norwich's favour, anybody's favour with the coronavirus. But, you know, this might be a situation that Norwich could 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 enjoy thriving, whatever. Yeah, well, as you mentioned it there, I'll just I'll mention those stats from the piece. And you can read the full bit at pinkin.com, of course. Um, the Bundesliga has been five home wins from 27 matches in the first three rounds of games since they restarted uh, that's 43 percent uh, sorry 19 percent and pr- prior to the suspension that was at around 43 percent so that's dropped quite a lot we'll have to that's see whether that levels difference. out it is a bit it's quite strange mm. um mm. and two of those wins unsurprisingly were, were Bayern and Dortmund at home um but Dortmund lost to Bayern as you say on Tuesday night that was their first yeah. home defeat of the season um, in the Premier League, that's similar. It's normally about 45%, although Norwich are down at 29% this year of their uh, winning. They've won 29% of their home games. You know, they are bottom of the league after all. Um, but Bundesliga 2, uh, that's only gone down very slightly, 41 to 39%. So that's um, 
Mm. So maybe we will see the Bundesliga level out a little bit as the games go on. But yeah, it, it does seem a little bit of a level. And I kind of fancy Norwich to win that one because United gave them a good drubbing in both games. The, mm. the home, home game was 3-1, but Cruel saved two penalties. The away game was 4-0. Both were not good performances. Rashford was very good in both. I, I think they'll be bang up for that. And if that's only the second week of the restart as well, when, as we're seeing in Germany, the players are sort of struggling for full match fitness, yeah. I can see it. Yeah, uh, if United are still going for a, a Champions League place, then you never know weakened teams. They might, you know, rest a bit, especially as they're going to be playing Saturday midweek, Saturday midweek. Um, yeah, it could be. I've always thought as well that you don't diss the FA Cup because if you do well, you know, don't don't diss a cup run because this winning mentality. I've just been speaking to a footballer who said exactly the same thing. You get on a run of wins and it, it, it's just normal then. Yeah. So Norwich can do with an FA Cup win. <laughs> don't forget the fixture congestion because we've got that anyway. Um, but but it, it changes the mentality. If you beat Manchester United, that's going to big you up for your next game. There's no doubt about that. So, you know, with a bit of luck, uh, they'll beat them. And, uh, well, I mean, I predicted they'd beat Leicester in the final. So, uh, that's, <laughs> that's, what's, that's what's going to happen, folks. You don't need Sky TV. <laughs> that would be decent up against uh, Madison. Um, yeah, absolutely. Be a great yeah. final, I think. I guess, it, you know, it's still better to win the FA Cup behind closed doors than not win it, but it would just always have yeah. that asterisk alongside it, wouldn't it? And yeah, it, it would be it would be sod's law. It really would. Um, but, you know, what do you want to do? Lose in the, the quarterfinals or uh, behind closed doors or win it behind closed doors? I think I know what I'd want. Yeah, I'd. You know, so. in, in the, the interesting ones they got on the balcony, what, you know, the traditional lifting of the trophy <laughs> to the cheers of oh Delia and Michael. <laughs> yeah, and August the first is the FA Cup final, isn't it? So yeah, um, I think everybody thought it was going to be August the eighth, didn't they? But uh, August the first it is. So they're going to be squeezing in the league a little bit, but I think that's only a couple of midweeks. I mean, Norwich have already got a squeeze in at least one midweek because of that United game, which is against Everton at home. Yeah. So they'll have to find a little spot for that. Um, Pogba could be back as well, of course, for United. He's fit again. A, a lot of clubs have benefited from this break in those injury terms. But yeah. I'm sure um, given that this is basically pre-season and, and you do get plenty of injuries picked up in pre-season, that we will start seeing some people drop uh, drop out. Um, mm. Good good thing from the Norwich point of view is when they returned to training last week, um, initially in these small groups, still social distancing. Um, O'Neill Hernandez, Tim Close, mm. Sam Byram were all in there. So that was a good start. Yeah. Um, and then we saw on Wednesday of this week, there was the unanimous vote for stage two of training, wasn't there, which um, has allowed for them to s- start moving back towards full contact training um, because clearly you can't continue to socially uh, to, to social distancing training or in games. Um, you know, they've still got to do all these things like disinfecting the balls and the gloves and the cones and everything as much as they can. Every possible precaution that they can take around it, you know, still social distancing outside of actually being on the pitch of each other. Um, I think, you know, they'll be doing things like rotating who's in the dressing room when trying to trying to do everything sensible possible. But the latest set of testing um, took the total number of positive tests for the Premier League so far to 12 from 2,752, which is 99.6% negative. So 
Um, and the players who have tested positive largely seem to have talked about the fact that they're asymptomatic, that they haven't felt ill, that it came as a surprise. Um, mm. form, form of goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale is one of them. So it's it's sort of on course, isn't it? And actually, we, we saw one close to home yesterday with, with Elliot Bennett. I thought Elliot Bennett, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult one because you don't want to be saying, oh, it's only 12 because uh, 12 is too many. But if you're going to have positive tests, I guess asymptomatic is, is, is the best way, you know. Um, and also, you know, the percentage is so so small. I, I guess it's similar to, or I don't know what, what it compares to the general population, but yeah, I mean, the, these are these are the very finely tuned sportsmen. I did see there was a, a survey uh, or a medical report that said actually, because of the way that they do train and the way they breathe deeply, it takes the the virus deeper into their body, into their lungs, and is actually uh, more difficult to to get rid of. So if a footballer has symptoms, it's it's, it's probably a little bit more serious than. You know, somebody of the same age who's not a footballer. I'm no doctor, but, um, you know, they've got to be wary. They're, they're, they're like the rest of us. I don't know about you, but I've hardly been out of the house. I feel like, apart from the supermarket sweep once a week, that I've self-isolated for, I don't know how many weeks or months I've been living at home and working from home as well. Uh, um, ten weeks, I think, since uh, yeah. it's the last day that me and, me and you... Well, it was ten weeks on Tuesday, I think, when me and you were both in the office um and so yeah 10 weeks on wednesday since i last went into the city center really it's there it's still there apparently <laughs> apparently the so, office, yeah. yeah it's still there and the, 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 it is open for for not for the general public for some people but very few and I, I think you you know you have to telephone a colleague in the same office if you want to speak to him or her. yeah but, uh, well, yeah yeah it's been an awful long time We've been told from the start of this, haven't we, that if you're young, fit and healthy and you don't have underlying health conditions and that seems to have morphed into particularly underlying respiratory yeah. conditions, then you should be OK. Um, but of course, not everyone knows they have underlying health conditions before, do they? So um, the players um, seem to be OK. Uh, and of course, our best wishes do go to Elliot Bennett, former Norwich player, very popular guy who, of course, had that bad knee injury, which really ruined a really good start to his career at Norwich. Um, yeah. He's I didn't realise he was captain of Blackburn now, actually, but and he's actually played, that, yeah. he's played more games for them now than he had for Norwich. So um, a few nice uh, messages on Twitter from Bradley Johnson, who is, is also with him at Blackburn, Anthony Pilkington as well, who seemed to be a sort of uh, wingman almost at Norwich, didn't he? Um, so, yeah, all the best to, to Elliot. But he, he has put out a statement sort of saying that he was one of the three EFL players to have tested positive in the latest round of testing. Um, but just to you know let everyone know that he's fine, um, feels fit and healthy, uh, was a total surprise to him had tested negative the Friday before and then on the Monday tested positive for it. So um, basically with players in that situation, they isolate for seven days um, and, and things crossed, um, nothing underlined there and he'll be able to sort of get back to his, his football all, all safe and well. The one thing I haven't really heard much spoken about since um, Wednesday's uh, vote on training was the issue with um, BAME, uh, the Black Asian mm. Minority Ethnic Community. That was one that um, Troy Deeney at Watford um, and Danny Rose, Raheem Sterling, they've all spoken out about, haven't they? Because there's this big sort of uncertainty there. Um, so whether we'll hear 
more on that i think there's a british medical association i think it is they launched a a, a, a sort of urgent review into this which is due to be published before the end of the month um and from everything i've read that's come from the medical community it seems to be that the um, focus on um the bame community within the medical community is higher um but whether that goes across um, society is a different perhaps a different thing so that's one to sort of keep a, an ear out i think for and, and one that you know is, is obviously concerning but the, the clubs have voted unanimously to go back. Troy Deeney has gone back in. Uh, N'Golo Kante has gone back in at Chelsea. So they've obviously heard enough uh, positive uh, noises on that front to, to let them feel that they're, they're, they're safe to, to carry on. Um, what else have we got then? Uh, loads. <laughs> um, <laughs> we talked about Germany a little bit already. Philip Heiser um, doesn't seem to be going too well for him. On loan from Norwich Nuremberg, he... Gave away the ball uh, for a late equaliser in their first game back, was then benched, but then he started on Tuesday night, um, but lost the ball again, according to reports, <laughs> which I've been reading in Germany. I've tried to have a look for video highlights of this, and it, they all cut just before the ball is lost, but you can see it's come from the left wing where he was playing. Um, they ended up drawing 2-2 um, at Jan Regensburg, and he was taken off at half-time. So... Didn't seem to be going too well for him over there. Um, That's not but, great. <laughs> but you saw Dennis Trebeni's goal, didn't you? Lovely finish. Oh, it was fantastic. Absolutely ex- excellent goal. It was a terrible bit of defending. Um, you know, that sort of thing. Ah, I think this will be a decent pass. Oh, no. But <laughs> Trebeni didn't even take a first touch. He just, I, I was going to say whacked it first time. He didn't. He just shot beautifully. Curler in the top right-hand corner, and he should be very proud of that. And I felt very sorry for him because <laughs> he had nobody to put his hand up to and, and acknowledge. You know, it was a really, really good goal. What a shame. Yeah, and the way he shaped his body just to latch on it straight away. There was a brilliant yeah. camera angle, wasn't there, where you could really see the yeah. bend past the keeper. So fair play to him. Um, that's five goals in 11 games since he I mean he left Norwich permanently in January um, but Paderborn have drawn all three of their games since they come back so they look doomed their eight points from the survival playoff with six games to go but um, Shrebeni sorry I should say Srebini um, uh, as as we sort of found out it was a bit toward after that Everton goal towards the end of his Norwich career um, but um, yeah, that things not looking good for him. He's done a bit of media and uh, talking about that, about how it was really, it didn't really mean as much to him because he couldn't celebrate it with the fans. But there was also a little bit in there about sort of saying that if they are to go back down to the second tier, then he's, you know, he's at the right club because he feels he's got a, a coach who really believes in him and he feels like he'll be able to score goals at that level, which he never really got the chance in the championship with Norwich, did he? No. So, no. I think Norwich fans will keep an eye on him just to, it's a, you know, out of interest to see how he gets on. Um, otherwise, I think that's just about all the restart stuff um, covered. Um, Monday is the start of the rebates, uh, the rebate system at Norwich. Um, that could be worth up to four million to them in total um, if everybody claims the rebates. Of course, you can uh, give it to the Community Sport Foundation or you can let the club keep it uh, to go towards the academy. Um, that has to all be sorted by June the 30th. So if you do a rebate, um, you'll be able to get that sorted from Monday. Uh, Mario Vrancic did a bit of media saying how excited the players are to be getting back into full training and, uh, you know, obviously the games are looming as well. Um, but I did want to, just while 
uh, I did want to mention King's Lynn as well, Chris, because um, mm-hmm. obviously you, you have been covering their fortunes very closely. And, um, you know, most Norwich fans are, uh, at least have a passing interest in, in what's going on with the Linnets. So sort of the latest state of play in terms of their promotion hopes. Well, yeah, it's a poor old Lynn. Uh, they've been hanging on and waiting and waiting for ages. And now they've got another wait. Uh, the EFL have said their vote will be on June the 8th. And the National League have always said they will wait for the EFL's decisions before they make their own. So, presumably, everything will be known after June the 8th. Um, Limbo. In limbo, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I sort of feel sorry for the whole of the National League set up because of this, but I can sort of see why it's happening as well. but you're in a position that Kings Lynn are in, and, and you know, I suppose top of the National League got Barrow, who, who thoroughly deserved to go up, in my view. And in but in Lynn's division, the, there is it's slightly contentious, given that they are second in the table, uh, two points off the top, but with two games in hand. They feel on a points per game basis they they, they would go up, but they also feel, I think, that uh, that they are would be worthy champions. Now others will say. Well, prove that you can win those two games in hand. This, this is the peculiar, not the peculiarity, the big disadvantage of the points per game uh, resolution is that you would be sort of guessing in a way the the, the uh, future success. So it, it's so difficult. Uh, you know, not one solution to all of this is going to keep everybody happy. The only thing would be to play games, and that's not going to be possible in the National League. So, yeah, Lynn are waiting and waiting. And uh, I, I do think it looks, though, the way the EFL have talked about points per game resolutions, that it looks like, and and also maintaining the integrity with promotion and relegation, that it looks like Lynn could, uh, uh, or there would be promotion from their division. There cannot be relegation because there's nowhere to relegate to now that those uh, teams have, uh, below them have, have annulled. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> waiting. That, that's all it is. And frustration, I'm sure, for everybody. Uh, uh, I've had one or two messages this week from players who, what's going on? My God, I'm so fed up with it. I can't mm. even bear reading about it anymore because I don't know. So, I mean, they, they could end up in a playoff at worst um, with York. So, yeah. who wants that? You don't, that? Frankly, the National League does not want to play any more games. It, it would be a very expensive exercise for football clubs that will be losing money already. So, you know, just stop it. Stop it and don't null and void because that's awful. Just points per game. It's, it's the best of a bad lot. Yeah, it feels to me like I, I see Paul Lambert has had a real go at the AFL about the League One situation because they seem to be caught between a rock and a hard place almost because the championship want to continue but the league to have stopped yeah. league to have stopped haven't they and uh, it seems to me like they'd probably end up playing the playoffs in league one at the very least um so we'll see how that one all works out but yeah having to wait till june the 8th is uh, is uh, a bit unfair on those clubs uh, to say the least well it's three um, it's going to be around three months isn't it since the last game and that uh, does seem if you're the premier league you know you can see why there's been a lot of debate but at a lower level I think we could, I could have told you ages ago, we all could have said, look, you can't play these games. Mm. It's ridiculous. You're, you're, you're causing more trouble from the, for the clubs. So, you know, let's, let's make some decisions here. Um, but it's just gone on. Three months is a long time. 
And I guess you might blame the Premier League for that. Possibly, possibly. We, we shall see how it all uh, straightens out. Um, right, just a few other bits and pieces, and then we're going to get to uh, those audio clips that we plugged from some of our interviews recently. Um, first up, um, you will probably have seen on Wednesday, Norwich confirmed th- uh, seven players are leaving from the under-23 squad. Um, the most notable, probably Dialang Jayasimi, who's been out on loan at Swindon this year and is probably going to get a League 2 winner's medal thanks to the points per game system once that is all settled in the EFL. Uh, they did have a one-year option in his contract but he's 22 and they've decided to sort of call it quits, let him go uh, on his way but um, good to see that he recovered from that serious knee injury last season to to get his career back on track at the very least. Uh, Mason Bloomfield, he was on loan at Crawley this season and he was a striker. He never actually played a game for Norwich. He was signed from Dagenham and Redbridge and then has spent all his time out on loan and also had injuries. Uh, similar story, Savas Morgos, he's a Greek midfielder who they brought in after he left Arsenal. He's been out on loan to Dordrecht in the Dutch second tier most of the time, but again, uh, injury problems have kind of ruined his progress. Timmy Odessina is probably a name that most fans will remember from the FA Youth Cup team of 2018, which is where Adam Eda and uh, Max Ahrens, uh, of course, emerged from. They reached the FA Cup quarter, uh, Youth Cup quarterfinals. He, he's a centre-back. Uh, has been out on a couple of loan stints, was with Hartlepool before football suspension. Um, his time in the club's come to an end. Billy Johnson, who's a local lad, he's a goalkeeper. He's been on loan at Braintree in National League South. Tom Scully, who was with Everton when he was younger, he was uh, uh, quite prominent for the under-23s, but obviously they don't feel he's going to make the step. And then finally, Alfie Payne, another local lad who's been out on loan with Kings Lynn this season. Uh, it's been sort of in and out of the starting 11 for, for them, um, but uh, he'd already announced on social media that he was uh, leaving after 12 years with the club. So um, we wish all of them well, uh, of course, and we'll uh, sort of let you know when they sign for other clubs. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Jayasimi stays with Swindon as they uh, go into League One uh, next season, which just leaves one sort of contract issue really for Norwich, which is Sean Raggett, who's on loan at Portsmouth, who, you know, I think he's 26. So we're not talking a young lad here, but he's someone who's never really arrived at the club. Just two substitute appearances in the championship. Um, Pompey, again, feeding into this EFL narrative, could have the League One playoffs still to play because I think they sit fourth in the table. So I think that from what I hear from the club, that's one that's on the back burner for now to see what happens with him. Um, and then they can assess whether they want to activate the one year option in his contract once we know what's going on with Pompey. Um, so just a couple of other bits and pieces. I just wanted to give a shout out to the Norwich City Fan Social Club. I'm sure you've all seen them on uh, on social media with the um, events that they organise with players and, and people from the club. Um, they raised 8,250 quid in the last year, and that means they've raised just short of 30,000 for the Community Sports Foundation since being established five years ago. So a big well done to all the volunteers involved with that, including our own... Connor Southwell, who um, has been uh, helping them out before, well, before and since he uh, he joined our team. So um, hopefully you'll be hearing from Connor again soon. And also the uh, I've already mentioned the rebates. There was one other thing. I, ah, yes, that was it. Monday was three years of Daniel Farker uh, since he was appointed in May 2017. That's the first manager slash head coach since Nigel Worthington to reach the three-year point. And that also makes him the 17th. I know, that's quite a surprise, isn't oh, it? Because Lambert amazing. didn't quite make it. Um, Neil and Hewton didn't make it either. So 
Um, and also, he's the 17th longest serving manager in the country, as things stand. So, uh, not which half is, bad. Which is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Right, past, present and future Norwich City players. And we've got three interviews here for you, just a, a, a clip from each, really. And if you want to read the full pieces, of course, pinkin.com is the place to go. But uh, Stephen Whitaker, Akin Famuo and Josh Martin, I've spoken to all them in the last week. Um, Whitaker was quite an interesting one because I've been trying to get hold of him last week, hadn't I, ahead of... Um, ahead of the five-year anniversary of the 2015 playoff final at Wembley. And then I'm sat at home on the sofa Saturday morning, cup of coffee in hand, watching the telly. My phone goes and uh, it's, uh, hi, is that David Stephen Whitaker? <laughs> ah, OK. Uh, so I quickly sprung into action Saturday morning to, to have a chat with him. Um, he, uh, he's been since, well, he sort of told me that his time with Hibs was coming to an end. He, his three-year contract was up. Um, a couple of days later, it was actually confirmed that he wouldn't be staying with uh, Hibernian. So he is now a free agent and uh, he spoke really well, actually, about his time at Norwich um, and very honestly talked about how his attacking strengths meant that he did well in the championship. But perhaps he didn't quite manage quite so well when Norwich were playing more defensively in the Premier League. The body's still feeling OK, so, you know, if I don't have too much time off, hopefully um, I can still kind of go and play somewhere. Um and just kind of, my head, the kind of age that I'm at now, it's more just year by year. So, you know, if I can play for another year and see where I'm at, and um, if I feel like the time's right, then, you know, retirement might not be too far away, and I'll, I'll probably go down the coaching and possibly management route at, at some stage. Um, I've been kind of doing all my badges and, okay. and the A licence. I've been doing a applied management course at the university, which is, uh, I've just finished that. Um, in March, um, so I've only, do my, I've only got to do my assessment, which I was meant to do in summer, but they've been cancelled. So again, it's um, just ticking all these boxes that um, understanding that um, the body can't go on forever. So at some point, that will be a change of um, dynamic eventually. But um, again, it's something that's exciting me, and you know, I want to try and stay in football as long as possible. So mm. we'll see where it goes. But um, yeah, it's a bit up in the air at the minute. Okay, well, I mean, your time at Norwich overall then, I mean, you made over 100 appearances for the club, played in the Premier League, Wembley, there's obviously lots of highlights. How do you sort of overall look back on your on your time at the club? Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it was a great kind of city, um, great for great club, really friendly club. Um, I think the biggest change for me was being at Rangers and the kind of intensity that you come under and the scrutiny you come under there with being obviously one of the top teams in Scotland to to go to Norwich and almost just having, uh, I mean you do enjoy it don't get me wrong, I had successful years at Rangers but there was that um, less people kind of on your back and you just got to kind of relax and play your football a little bit more and, um, I really enjoyed that and um, was just kind of delighted that, that the level that the club was playing at and um, the opportunities that I got to, to go and play in the Premier League against kind of the best players in the world was uh, was something that obviously I'll always be thankful for the club for giving me that chance. Uh, yeah, Chris, so that was Stephen Whitaker. Paddy said on the pod uh, a couple of months ago now, probably, we were talking about the most underrated players uh, that spring to mind, and uh, Whitaker was one that he picked out, but maybe a bit underrated or just didn't quite make it in the Premier League? It was a good point he made about um, being better in the championship because he, he'd uh, been used to playing for Rangers uh, who were 
um, you know, one of the strongest sides in Scotland and, and therefore, you know, was used as an attacking defender. Um, and then when they got to the Premier League, you know, Norwich weren't quite as attacking for obvious reasons. So his role had changed. I thought he was a half-decent player. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I don't think he was the best uh, fullback I've seen at uh, Carrow Road. I thought the playoff final, he played exceptionally well. A lovely assist for Nathan Redmond. And against um, Ipswich in the semis as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think he had his time at Norwich. Uh, you know, give him seven out of ten, I, I guess, without mm. being nasty about it. I, he, he was a decent player, but nothing more. But I, yeah. I, th- I think he did get undue criticism. I, I don't think he deserved uh, some of the criticism he got. Um, but, you know, he's, that's, that happens in football. But uh, I, I heard the interview and I thought, what a good chap. He, he sounded very good. He sounded very sensible and level-headed. And I think that's the sort of guy he was. I would imagine he was a popular lad in the dressing room, you know, just an all-round decent bloke. Right, that's the past. We're going to be like the pink and Christmas carol in <laughs> June here. Uh, no, not quite June, end of May. Um, so, moving on to Josh Martin, who is the present. He has signed a new contract until 2023. That was announced on Friday. Some very complimentary quotes about him from Daniel Farker, including this one, which caught my eye. A very brave player with that special bit of creativity that you can't learn now, for an 18-year-old who's training with the first team, I'd say that that means Mr. Farker's got his eye on uh, a potentially special talent. Um, and from what we've seen of him uh, at youth levels, um, there could be something to play with there. Um, anyway, here is what Josh had to say about his new contract. Congratulations again, Josh. Great news for yourself. Um, was it, given the sort of success of the club's academy system in recent years, was it, was it an easy decision to, to commit your future? Yeah, one hundred percent. It was a uh, was an uh, I didn't think of it twice. It was straight. I wanted to, I wanted to sign. I wanted to get it done with, and then you know focusing on the football. It was a straight straight easy decision for me. And following up a little bit on a question that Phil said there, the, the quotes that came out from Daniel this morning, one caught my eye, um, which was, uh, he's a very brave player with that special bit of creativity that you can't learn. Um, for yourself as an eighteen-year-old to have a Premier League head coach saying something like that, that must feel great. Yeah, I mean it's amazing. I, I read it this morning as well, and I was, it, 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 you know, it made me smile because um, he never said that to me. But to have you know <laughs> someone like that say think that of you is, um, yeah, it's a real confidence booster. You know, it was, feels really good. You sound like you're obviously someone who's confident in your ability. Um, so where where are the areas you're looking to improve to to keep catching Daniel's eyes? Is, is it mental stuff then? No, really staying focused. Mentally, to be mentally focused. Yeah, um, to to show that. He can trust me um, off the ball um, to work for the team um, to um, and be a game changer. I think they're the main things for me. Um, to, so he can trust me and so that I can make the difference in the final third. So when we're losing or we're drawing and we need a goal, I can give that to him. You know, That's what I, I want to improve the most um, in my game or maximise the most. You know, So for me, that's the main, that's the main things. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Right, so yeah, that was um, that was Josh's thoughts on his contract. If, um, I'm, um, if I may interrupt, if I'm a layman here who, who doesn't see as much of Norwich and the youth team players and, and what have you, what, what, what's special about Josh Martin? If... if 
if I need to know about him. What, what, what's his position? Fullback, isn't he? He's a winger. A winger. Oh, winger. Um, Do you see yeah. what I mean? I don't know much about. <laughs> he, he, he generally plays on the left. He can play on the right as well. But he's he's real tricky player more than than quick. Um, he sort of when he first joined, uh, he'd left Arsenal and he had a trial with Norwich and joined. And in his first interview, he said that he modelled his game on Cristiano Ronaldo. So that was always sort of stuck in my head a little bit that that was quite a bold thing to say for for a young man but he basically burst onto the scene with this hat trick in December in a youth cup against Newcastle and it was a really good hat trick as well some really good goals and he's one of these players who finds space you know potentially a little bit of Campwell to him maybe maybe more Campwell than Houlihan I, I would say um, so I, I dare say he's watching Campwell and Buendia in the way that they play uh, and looking to sort of uh, model himself on, on that as uh, as things stand, as he tries to get into the team. But, um, yeah, he also scored three goals in five games to the 23s uh, around that time as well. And then he was on the bench for the first team at Burnley in the FA Cup. So, um, yeah, they seem to seem to think highly of him. But um, And I guess he will look at the he's some of his teammates, or, or should I say first-team squad teammates, um, and think that they've been given the opportunity by yeah. Daniel Farker and therefore... Encouragingly for him, he's got a, a, a nice contract, and he may get the opportunity. Yeah, and I think the big thing for him right now is that when we come back, if the Premier League follows the Bundesliga as it has, as it looks likely as it will do, they will be allowed to name nine subs and mm-hmm. bring on five. So his chances of getting on at some point would seem pretty high. Particularly, let's hope not. But particularly if Norwich were to go down and there were a few dead rubbers at the end, end of the season, that's quite often when teams start to blood young players ahead of next season to give them that taste for things, don't they? So let's hope that that's not the reason he's getting his debut. But I thought it was really interesting to him him saying that, you know, he, he thinks he's already shown Farker that he's got that sort of match-winning ability. It's just about um, persuading him that he can trust him defensively. You know, that's the uh, the big battle that, that Camwell has had, hasn't he, getting into mm. first Good, um, good news, that young player being signed like that. Good news. Yeah, I think it could be quite exciting. Certainly a, an interesting one to monitor. Um, but finally, the future then. This is Akin Famiwo, who um, went out on loan to St Mirren in January. Um, he had been at Luton when he was younger, uh, had a loan spell at Grimsby. So he did have a bit of football league experience as well before Norwich signed him. He was under 23's captain this season and captained the EFL trophy team, which won at Crawley, very nearly got, a, a, well, they were winning at Oxford and conceded two late goals that Josh Martin was playing in those teams as well. He played 30, every minute of 13 consecutive games for St. Mirren, so he got properly stuck in. Um, and his first league game was in front of 50,000 fans at Ibrox, marking Jermaine Defoe, um, and they only narrowly lost 1-0. He's another one who signed a contract uh, a little bit earlier in the season. He's contracted until 2023 as well. Another one that they're hoping for the big things from. He'll be hoping to be in the mix in pre-season next season. Probably whatever level Norwich are playing at, who knows. But really good to catch up with him as well. So here's a clip from that interview. You were sort of straight in the deep end, weren't you? I know you had a sort of cut game to ease in, but then what was it in front of... 49,000 at Ibrox against Rangers. How, how was that? Yeah, that was, that was, that was an amazing experience, to be honest. Like, I, I didn't really realise until after the game like, how many people were there. Like, like um, you know, 
you know, the game was winding down a little bit. And, you know, sometimes you hear the crowd and, the, you know, the attendance of the game. And I was like, oh, well, okay. Obviously, when you walk the tunnel, though, it's stadium as well. It's, you know, it's, it's massive, it's loud, it's larry, and it's just great experience. Like, it wasn't something that I looked at as intimidating. It was more like, yeah, I need to jump on this occasion. Like, this feeling right here is what I want to be doing, you know, week in, week out, you know, twice a week. You know, in, in the Prem, you know what I mean? Everyone has big stadiums, everyone has big fans, like, you know, that's just part of the game. It wasn't something I looked at as daunting. It was more like, yeah, this is, it was exciting. I was like, I wanted to do this, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, 50,000, oh, you know, this, this, you know what I mean? It was more, more exciting than anything, if I'm honest, yeah. Yeah, and and straight away up against someone pretty decent in, in Jermaine Defoe as well. Yes, yeah, he was, yeah, like, it was crazy. Like straight from that game, I was like, okay, yeah, like I'm learning a lot. Like, it was, like obviously going from the cup game, they weren't quite the um, you know same level, obviously. Yeah. To, you know the t- the top two or the top, arguably the top, you know, top team in the, the Scottish Prem, and it's just like, I don't know. It's like this week you learn a lot because there's a lot of different playing styles. In fact, like lots of different teams, you could say are different levels like the way they play of course like some teams like to put it in behind so it's like you've got to be more wary of the being on the uh, back foot so you know if the ball's in behind getting ready for that one and then like obviously a team like Rangers don't they don't love to play so it's like you know that you know what you know what they're you know they're not going to be just kicking it in behind and channel balls it's like these guys will really play so it was great for that development as if like getting ready to adapt to different teams and you know stars we play because obviously, twenty threes is quite you know everyone likes to play. Everyone yeah. wants to make sure they're passing the ball. They don't like to give the ball away like easy possession. Like so, it's very different. Like each game, we're going into learning new tactics, learning how they were going to play, and it was it was a real like I well not necessarily eye opener, but it was a real like good experience to realize yeah every each game you have to focus on what the team is going to bring and how you got to adapt to counteract how they play. So like each week, every game was something new. So it was, it was really good. Like it wasn't, it wasn't anything. It wasn't necessarily anything that I, I'd never done because I have played against teams that like to play. Uh, at Luton, we were a team that like to play, and obviously in League Two, and they like to kick it long, obviously. But um, yeah, it was, it was just a really good experience because it was just each week, every game, I was learning something. So yeah, it was, it was really good development out there. Okay, hope you enjoyed all of those clips. Uh, a pretty busy show. We squeeze in as much as we possibly can manage. Um, Pinkin.com is, of course, the place to go to read all of those interviews in full. Um, you can also hear us on Wednesday nights on Future Radio 107.8 FM. And if you're not already subscribed to the show, then please do. And any ratings or reviews are always very welcome. This is your pod as much as it is ours, so get in touch with us on the Pinkham Twitter, Facebook or Instagram pages. Send us an email to norfolksport at Washington.co.uk. But for now, thanks, Chris. Uh, Stay safe, safe, everyone. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the sunshine. Sunshine. (laughs) Sunshine. (laughs) As the countdown to the restart begins. And we'll catch up with you very soon. Bye.